I've got a special treat today. I've asked, invited a dear friend of mine, Pastor Renee Sleffler, who is the lead pastor at Twin Lakes Church in Santa Cruz, uh, to bring his wonderful teaching gift and bless us with it this weekend. And he has agreed to do that. So as he teaches, I want you to keep in the back of your mind this notion of living your best life. He's, he's going to frame uh, the pathway to this brand new series uh, that I'll kick off next week. So think about it as he talks about the power of choice that we continue to retain. Go ahead, Pastor Renee, speak to our hearts and speak to our minds. Hello, NBCC friends. My name is Renee. I'm one of the pastors down at Twin Lakes Church in Santa Cruz. And I am so blessed and so privileged to be with you today. You know, your pastor, Herman Hamilton, is somebody that I treasure. I consider him one of my closest friends in ministry. And uh, I tell him often that he's been like my pastor through this whole pandemic. I've been watching his messages. And in fact, I even attend NBCC in person sometimes when I have a weekend off. Really enjoy it. And you may know that MBCC has helped our church, TLC, out when we lost uh, a lot of our property got burned during the terrible fires about a, a year and a half ago. And you guys were so generous to us. So I feel like we're sister churches and I'm really super blessed to be part of your worship services today. Well, choosing a good year is what I want to talk about today. That's right. Choosing a good year. And let me explain. Today, I want to start with a question that has puzzled scientists for decades, and it's this. What makes humans different than other creatures? What is it? Now, I know scripturally, Christians, of course, believe that we're created in the image of God, but from a scientific perspective, how does this play out? Well, people used to think, well, language but they discovered that, for example, whales use songs to communicate. And then we thought, well, tools. But then we realized that animals like crows make tools out of things like wire to get at food. So what is it that makes us different? Well, Time Magazine had an article all about it. Some scientists had a hunch, and they did some experiments. I'm kind of simplifying this, but what it amounted to was they did some simple puppet shows. No words, just actions telling a story. And they showed these to very young children over and over. And what they found was even the littlest kids got into the story. They anticipated the plot like, oh, that one guy, he's going to jump out right now to surprise those, those other guys. They totally got that this was a story. Then they showed a puppet show to some primates some chimps, and they never got it, ever. They were like, what is happening right now? We do not get this. Their conclusion, the scientists, not the chimps, was this. What makes us different than animals? At least one thing is storytelling. And when you think about it, it makes total sense. Storytelling is what part of what makes us essentially human. We humans love stories. We respond to stories. We tell stories about everything in life, like events happen. And, and as human beings, we have this extraordinary innate drive. It's an instinct, whether we're aware of it or not, to make sense of these random events and to put those events into narratives, into stories. The littlest kids do this. Ever play with a three-year-old and hear them do something like this. They see, say, an ant 
on the ground. And they bend down to look at it and they say, this ant is sad because he lost his mommy, right? They, they turn these random things and they put these events into narratives. And adults do this too. I picture it like this. Events are like separate dots on a piece of paper or a screen. And we put them into storylines that you could envision as lines between the dots. They connect the dots and predict the outcome where the storyline is Headed, for example, one dot might be a personal crisis, divorce, cancer, job loss. Another dot might be global crisis, like, well, COVID. One person tells a storyline that trends down. These events confirm their storyline that their lives are going downhill, the world is crumbling, the nation is doomed, God is against them. And these events are just data points that prove that story to them. Another person fits those same exact events into a different storyline that trends up. And they think these events are trials, yes, but they're going to strengthen me and God's going to use even this for good. Same exact events, two totally different storylines. Well, guess what? This year, 2022, there are going to be more dots on your grid. There are going to be more events. There are going to be more crises in your life. You cannot choose many of those events, but you can choose the story. And the story you choose changes the experience of the events in a very real way. It's like this. Ever see Up? or other Pixar movies like this. I gotta tell you, I cry at this scene in Up every single time. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever cried at a movie, ever? If so, raise your hand or type yes in the comments. Have you ever cried at a movie? Okay, now let me ask you another question. Have you ever laughed and and, and actually left a movie feeling uplifted, like better about life, happier about life? Probably all of us have done both of those things. Now, when you were watching that movie, did anything real actually happen to you? Those emotions were real, but did you actually go through that story? No. What caused your emotions? Those emotions were 100% created by storytelling, right? Well, the same exact thing is true for your everyday life. Many of your emotions, emotions you really experience, real emotions of fear, of confidence, of joy, or of apprehension are created by the stories that you choose to hear and you choose to tell yourself. Stories about the world, stories about life, stories about yourself, stories about God. And as a pastor, Here is why I am so concerned about this and why I have been burdened to talk about this, both to our church and to anybody who will listen, frankly, as a a New Year's message this year. Watch this. I just read that the number of people engaging with online news sources has doubled in the last two years. Doubled. Unfortunately, according to an organization called NewsGuard, the amount of false or misleading news content has also doubled. 
And many Christians are falling prey to these false narratives. You might remember the story that came out last fall. 19 of the top 20 Christian Facebook pages in 2020 were actually run by troll farms in countries associated with the former Soviet Union and suspected of having Kremlin connections. This is not a rumor. This is according to an internal Facebook report that was leaked to the MIT Technology Review. This is a scholarly journal. They concluded this. The data shows coordinated efforts among foreign intelligence professionals working together to spread provocative content in the United States. They want to undermine our institutions by spreading outrage, panic, distrust, division. I can understand that, man. If if I was an enemy of our country, I'd be trying to do the same thing, I guess, right? But what's particularly concerning to me as a pastor is this. They're having their best success when targeting Christians. They have discovered that we Christians are particularly apt to pass along negative stories, controversies, suspicions, clickbait. In other words, we're supposed to be about the good news, right? But these days, we're often about the bad news or even fake news, It concerns me as a pastor when it comes to storytelling. I see so many Christians acting like baby birds. Just feed me whatever worm you've got. I'm just going to gobble it all up. Just eating up whatever they see on the news feed as gospel truth. But I hope you realize every story is not gospel truth. In fact, the Bible tells us that one of the most important things we can do in life is practice discernment about what we hear, what we're letting into our minds. Now, I know that was kind of a long introduction, but I want you to follow my train of thought as we get to our key verse for today. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And wherever you are, read this out loud with me. <clears throat> Excuse me. We demolish arguments... And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. In other words, storylines that, 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 that are contrary to the revealed knowledge of God, which is the gospel. And, Paul says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Man, Christians today need to take this verse much more seriously. Listen, you've got a target on you, and you need to take back control. I can't do this for you. Pastor Herman can't do this for you. This is on you. Don't just be a baby bird passively letting people feed whatever storyline they want to feed you. To change the way you're going to experience this new year, The events will happen, but to change the storyline, to change your own emotions about what happens, to change the emotional climate of your community and of your church and of our country, you must choose three things. Are you ready for this? Number one, choose the story I hear. I must choose the story I hear. And here's why this is more important than ever. For most of human history, the storytellers were elders, right? Parents, uh, tribal leaders, religious leaders. 
And the purpose, ultimately, of the stories, even the fairy tales, uh, was guidance, right, on how to live life. Well, these days, the storytellers primarily are the media, social media, giant media conglomerates, and, and the purpose of the stories really always boils down to eyeballs. In other words, your attention. They want more views, clicks, likes, ratings, right? So what stories, what kinds of stories are they going to tell? And how are they going to frame their stories to get eyeballs on their stories, to get the clicks, to get the views? Well, they know. They've done research on this. And their research shows it's three things, stories about sex, violence, or threats. That is what gets our attention. And that is why every story, if you notice, is sold with an angle that paints it as a threat. News out of the Warriors front office today could spell doom for the franchise. More after the break. Is your countertop a hidden killer in your kitchen? News at 11. And remember, stories create and evoke emotion in us. So, follow me here. Is it any wonder that people today are full of emotions like dissatisfied lusts, fear, apprehension, and anxiety, those emotions are being created by the stories we are allowing ourselves to be fed. But you have the ability to stop and choose to hear a different story, the Bible's story. Look at these three components of the Bible story. These are all from Romans chapter 8 in the Bible. And, and, and of course, the Bible has a more complicated story than this, but these are three huge components of the Bible story. It's a story of salvation, a story of hope, a story of love. First, God has pardon for my past. God has pardon for my past. Romans 8.1, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wait, no condemnation for what? Well, earlier in Romans chapter 3, Paul says, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. We're broken. We are lost. But the good news is God loves you so much. He sent a Savior to find you, you lost sheep, and to rescue you and to forgive you and to heal you. Man, that's good news. And like any good stories, it just keeps getting better. God also has promised for my future. One day, God will heal all your wounds. And one day, God will heal all the world's wounds. Romans 8, 18 says this. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is eagerly waiting for that future day. In other words, our loving God will make it all okay. All evil and all disease and all injustice and all trauma and all racism and all environmental damage, it'll be healed. The arc of history is not a storyline that is trending down. It is bending up inexorably according to the plan of God. Now, of course, there are downtimes. There are crises. There is death and disease now. Jesus was crucified. This is the primary storyline of the gospel. 
But though Good Friday happened, though the crucifixion happened, Easter Sunday was just around the corner. And in the meantime, God has purpose for my present. My life is not absurd. Verse 28 of Romans chapter 8. And we know that God causes everything. Say that with me out loud. Everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And Paul is writing here to Christians suffering under Nero in Rome. Pretty bad events are happening to them. But he says, God is connecting those events to a storyline that says God can redeem anything, God can work in anything, God can use anything for good. Amen? You know, the psychologist Dan McAdams has studied the stories that people tell themselves about their lives. And in his research, he's discovered that people in despair tend to tell themselves what he calls contamination stories. Do you know anybody who's always telling a contamination story? Maybe it's you. Like, yeah, I got my dream job, but it ruined my marriage. Everyone's out to get me. Nothing ever works out. Let me, you know what I'm going to tell you? I want to tell you about the great deal that I missed out on contamination narratives. On the other hand, he says, people leading satisfied and meaningful lives tend to tell themselves what he calls redemption stories. Like, yeah, I got fired, but it helped me discover my true calling. Yeah, my flight got delayed, but guess what? I got into a great conversation in the airport while I was waiting. Yeah, I'm in cancer treatment now, but I got to tell you how God's been using even this. Redemption stories. In the Bible, God is telling a giant redemption story. So, are you on the daily choosing to hear God's redemption story or some contamination story? You and I must choose the story I hear, I take in. You know, some of you, forget social media or news aggregators or whatever, some of you are still letting some cruel parent tell you your story about how worthless you are and how you'll never amount to anything. Some of you, your parents are dead. And you're still allowing them to tell you your story. Let me tell you something that I hope sets you free. You do not have to let them tell your story to you anymore. You can tell yourself a different, you can hear a different story. Or is your primary narrative in life really, I was hurt by X. And that hurt now defines me. Hurt doesn't have to define you. Hurt doesn't have to be the end of your storyline. Every crucifixion can be turned into resurrection. That is the story God is telling. And when you hear that story, when you take it in, then you can move on to point two, which is I must choose the story I live. The story, it's not just about hearing it and knowing it. It's about living it. You know the story of Bethany Hamilton, famous surfer bitten by a shark when she was 13 years old and surfing, lost over 60% of her blood, lost her left arm, Now, that was an event. That was a pretty big dot on her timeline. Yet look at how she draws the storyline. She says, it was a terrible thing that happened to me, but so many good things have come out of it that it has turned into 
a beautiful thing. She goes on to say this. I see that God is able to use my story to help others. Once a girl came up and told me that she had had cancer. When she learned my story, it made her realize that she didn't need to give up. I could never have embraced these many people with two arms. Now, is that a contamination narrative or a redemption narrative? That's a redemption narrative. It reminds me of Joseph's story in the Bible. One bad thing after another happens to Joseph. He's thrown into a pit by his brothers, sold into slavery, imprisoned in Egypt unfairly, yet eventually rises into power there. And when there's a famine, he's able to save his whole family. And he tells them this, you intended to harm me. That was the dot. That was the event. But God intended it all for good. Here's the storyline I'm drawing. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. That's a redemption narrative. What's the story you live out? A friend of mine, Rick Alvord, is a great example of what I'm talking about. A few days ago, Rick and I did a Zoom chat specifically for this message, and I want to show you about four minutes of our conversation. Watch this. Well, thank you for joining me, Rick. Uh, you have quite a story. Life was going along as normal, and then all of a sudden on July 16th, 1997, I was involved in a pretty significant uh, auto accident. I was transitioning from one freeway to another freeway on a freeway uh, transition bridge in Southern California. As I traveled along, uh, a young driver uh, going a little too fast hit my Jeep Grand Cherokee in the back corner. The Jeep probably rolled three times over and over and then went off the transition bridge, landing about 65 feet below on a full gas tank, flipped over on the roof and slid down by the edge of the 91 freeway. So as you can imagine, uh, that kind of a fall, there was significant injuries. Um, really, medically speaking, I shouldn't be here today. God did amazing miracles. and uh, But in the process, I did lose my weight, my feeling in my legs and use of my legs from my waist down. So it was a pretty uh, significant day. But the fact that I'm here and uh, God spared my life that day and as part of his story, I'm very thankful for that. So, Rick, you've been paralyzed from the waist down since that day. You uh, have been in a wheelchair since that day, and you could fit that event into a storyline of resentment and blame and anger, but you have chosen a different storyline. Tell us about that. Well, my wife and I, Laura and I, we've decided, we decided early on that, that, that we wouldn't be asking the why questions because this is part of God's story we'd be asking what next. And so our approach has been all along not to be asking, what if I had asked one more question that day and I wouldn't have been on the freeway at that time in the meeting I was in? Or what if I the meeting that day was actually moved up 30 minutes from what it was originally scheduled to be? Well, why did that happen? So we could do that all day long, but what we've chosen to do is not really look at those questions, but look at the question of what next, what does God have for us? And how can he use us in the, in the remaining days we have on this earth to impact his kingdom? And so as you look at my story and think about it, it's really not a matter of what happened to me that day. It's really what's more important is how does this fit into God's overall story? People have found the Lord for the first time as a result of our accident. People have been drawn closer to him. So in the end of the day, it's really God's story. And we're believing and trusting that story is good for us in the end. It's hard now. It's not an easy life. But in the end, it will be exactly what he is calling it, what he has, has willed, what he wanted. And from my perspective, the way you've framed that uh, is a huge part of why now 
you're CEO of a company. That's correct. Yes. yes. And you yeah. are on uh, several boards. From my perspective, if you hadn't chosen to frame that bad luck event the way you did, you know, you wouldn't have been even looking for those opportunities. Really, just after the accident, I was in the hospital for close to five months. And when I came home from the hospital, in a quiet time, devotional time I was having with the Lord just after that, coming home, it was as clear as he was sitting with me. And he said to me that day, just focus on what I've left you with. Don't focus on what I've, what, what you've lost, what's been taken away. So my upper body from my waist up is exactly the way it would have been, which enables me to do, to be used by him, by God in different roles uh, with my giftedness and um, ways in which I can impact the kingdom. Because that's what's exciting about, about life now, obviously. Do you have anything to say to people who are going through a crisis right now in their lives? I would say to people in crisis now, and there's a number of people that are hurting in so many different areas. I would say, folks, stay focused on what God is bringing to you, what God's doing in your life, how he's working in your life. Um, as a result of what he's doing, in the end, you'll be a better person. Wow. So is that a contamination narrative or is that a redemption narrative? Clearly, it's a redemption narrative. In fact, in doing that video, Rick is modeling our final point today. I must choose the story I tell Choose the story I tell others and the story I tell myself about my own traumas. A woman named Tanya Luna did a study she published in Child Psychology and Psychiatry Journal. She, in an experiment, showed kids intense images like a dog growling while measuring their brain activity. Now, of course, they were afraid, but then she had them look at the same exact image but this time with comforting explanations like, this dog is defending a little girl. And when they saw the storyline that was comforting and reassuring, their brains showed a sharp drop in fear after the event was told through a positive story. She says, quote, it was like they were seeing completely different photos. Isn't that fascinating? Well, the point of her experiment is this. She says adults who are able to get past trauma are able to process them similarly. Watch this. She says they don't deny the traumatic event, but they add a personal narration that redeems the picture. Like, I grew, I learned, I deepened, I am a better person. That's what I'm talking about. What's the story you're telling it's not denial. It's not false, toxic positivity. It's just framing. It's not denying the dots. It's connecting the dots in a different way, like Paul's story in the Bible. He says in Philippians 1, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has ha happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, wait a minute. What was it that had happened to Paul? Well, you probably know his story. Unjust imprisonment, multiple shipwrecks, scourgings. And, and when he writes this, he's under house arrest, probably to Caesar Nero. Those were the dots on his page. He says, right. And here's how I'm drawing the storyline. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everybody else that I'm in chains for Christ. He was living in the gospel truth. He was telling God's redemptive story. And so I want you to ask yourself, what is the story I am telling myself? 
I wonder if maybe like me, you have what I call the negative narrator inside your head. Do you have that? It says things like, you're so stupid. You always make an idiot out of yourself in social situations like this. You know what? That, that is not God's story. God's story about you, God's narration is, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God loves you unconditionally. And, and if he gave you Christ, his only son, how will he not also give you all things? You have to call out the negative narrator and ask, what is the story you are telling others? Please listen. With every word and every action, you are telling others a story about Christianity. You know, the story many people hear these days about Christianity is not very positive. And at least part of that is on us. We Christians have been telling a story that's not in the Bible. We've made it sound like our story is about politics or about policing morality. Are you telling them a different story, the gospel story? I just got this video from Sherry Lansing. She lives in supported housing here where we are in Santa Cruz County. And this year, our church local outreach director, Robin Spurlock, was able to help her with a very special project. And Sherry sent us this video as a thank you note. Watch this. I, I live in supported housing and we have 15 units. And uh, I put on a uh, Christmas dinner and Thanksgiving dinner and this year has been kind of tough with finances and and having uh, getting the supplies for the dinners and um, Robin took and uh, gave us produce for our dinner we have enough potatoes for our meal and apples, enough apples for the apple pie, and um, veggies. And um, we are so blessed to have Twin Lakes in our community. And I just wanna thank you from the bottom of my heart. You have blessed our whole building. And I think the love of Jesus is just shining through. They know that Twin Lakes loves them. Even people who hate Christians. Did you hear that? Why do we as a church, why does NBCC as a church reach out? Why are you generous to the community? It's not just niceness, although it's good to be nice. It's telling a story about Jesus' love. Christians, please take control of the stories you hear, the stories you live, and the stories you tell. In fact, let's make this a commitment for the new year. I want you to say out loud with me what's on the screen here as a commitment. Are you ready for this? Do you mean it? Then let's say this out loud together wherever you're watching this. This year I will choose the story I hear Choose the story I live and choose the story I tell. Now, as we close, a challenge 
as you respond to this message. Have you heard the term doom scrolling? (laughs) That's when you look at your phone, your news apps, your social media, and you're just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling infinitely and letting them just feed you their stories like that baby bird, right? Well, I challenge you to first, every morning, turn to Scripture, to the Bible. If you can't let go of your phone, maybe a Bible app. And instead of doom scrolling, do some hope scrolling. Read about God's story. Get the day started right. And finally, I want to challenge you this week to ask yourself this question. This is not an original idea. I got this from Andy Stanley. Ask, what is the story I am telling myself about whatever it is that you're doing or not doing or feeling this week? Like, what's the story behind why you hardly ever call your mom or dad or your brother or sister or or your oldest child? I know they'll just get mad at me. It's just, it's just going to make me feel bad. What's the story you're telling yourself? What's the story behind why you despise, I mean like despise, Democrats or Republicans or rich people or poor people or people with different skin color than you or immigrants or people who speak a different language What's the story you are telling yourself behind why you gave up on church? What's the story you're telling yourself to justify why you are angry all the time? You are telling yourself a story. Now, what happens to that narrative when you hold it up to the redemption narrative of the Bible? Listen, you know what? I have an idea about what to do with all the stories that you hear, all the narratives you're being fed every day, the storylines from the media, from the negative narrator in your own mind. How about we all, at NBCC and at TLC, we all do this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to be people of good news, not bad news, not fake news. God, help us to connect the dots in our lives to the storyline of the Bible, the story you are writing. And God, maybe for the very first time, some joining us right now are realizing that's what following Jesus is all about. It's about a whole new way of seeing. It's about being part of the redemptive story you are writing. And perhaps right now, some people want to say for the very first time, God, I want that. I want to take my place in that story. The story of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the restoration of the world. God, thank you for your redemption. Now help us hear and live and tell that story every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow. 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 Thank you, Pastor Renee, for that incredibly insightful, powerful word for all of us, reminding us that we still have the power of choice uh, as it relates to, you know, our stories and how we engage in the world.
Listen, why don't you and I take a step of faith together? Point your uh, phone camera at the QR code right here on the screen. It's going to take you to our next steps, which is a part of our connection card. And the first thing that I want to challenge you to do, this is a fabulous day, the second weekend in the year of 2022, for you to surrender totally your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the way you simply do that is say, I want to be a Jesus follower. I want uh, him to be the ultimate redeemer in my life. And though I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life as he taught and I'm going to surrender to his authority uh, that he will have charge over my tomorrow and my destiny. So just go ahead and check that. There's some other options there for you to check as well. And by the way, if you'd like for us to follow up with you to help you to think through your next step, uh, just indicate that there's a box for you to check to do that. Now, Let's take a look at the response to the message. Pastor Renee wanted us to, to think, to affirm this response as our commitment. Simply this, listen, instead of doom scrolling, I will hope scroll and read scripture before uh, I start working through news apps. Once you make that commitment, let, 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 let's, let's try that out over the course of the next several weeks. And then here's a reflection question that you ought to take a picture of it and that, that we all should wrestle with. Uh, especially over the course of this week. What is the story I'm telling myself about blank? You fill in the blank. And what happens to that story when I hold it up to the redemptive narrative in Scripture? 